you have your Bibles this morning, turn them with me, please, to Psalm 127. I realize today that the Scripture says where two or three are gathered in His name that He'll be in the midst. And I know why the Scripture says that, because the Bible teaches all those who have placed their trust in Jesus as Savior has been indwelled by the precious Holy Spirit. So whenever believers come together, just like we have this morning, Jesus comes with you. Can you say amen? For Jesus lives within you in the person of God the Holy Spirit. So every time believers come together, um, He's with us. But let me tell you what I'm so thankful for. I'm so thankful when God makes us aware of His presence. Amen? How do you understand God is not a feeling? He's not. He's the omnipotent, omnipresent, omniscient God of the universe. He's creator God. He's Elohim. He's not a feeling, but I'm so thankful this morning, God can be felt. <laughs> for those who have a personal relationship with Him, I long for the presence of God to be made aware of that. <laughs> There's nothing sweeter than when God's people come together to worship Him. For the Bible says that He inhabits the praises of His people. We've experienced that today. What a blessing it truly is to worship with the people of God. It's already been good to be in the house of the Lord. Years ago, when I was just a little boy, there was a very popular television commercial that used to come on. Some of you may remember it. It was a, uh, they would show a picture of these young people that were volunteering to go into foreign lands and just help folks. It was a commercial for the Peace Corps. And they would come on the, the TV and you would see them volunteering. Then you'd see them being sent to these third world countries. And they would go there for a lot of different reasons. They'd go to maybe build houses or uh, to build roads or to build bridges. And then you would see throughout the commercial all of the things that they had to overcome. They had to go through a lot of hardships in these underdeveloped countries and getting done what they wanted to get done. And at the end of that commercial, I think it was uh, James Earl Jones that narrated it. He would come on at the end of that commercial and he would say, the Peace Corps, it's the toughest job you'll ever love. Do y'all remember that? I, I, I still remember that just as vividly this morning as I, um, it's almost like it plays back in my mind. I saw it so many times as I was growing up. Now, folks, I want to tell you, I've, I've never been a part of the Peace Corps, so I can't testify to whether or not that's the toughest job that you'll ever love. But I have been a parent. I am a parent and I can certainly testify that it's the toughest job you'll ever love. It really is. Um, heard a story one time about a mama who was sitting on the couch with her teenage daughter. She was middle-aged, and the teenager looked over at her, and she's just studying her up and down, you know. And she, she says, Mom, I want to ask you a question. And the mother said, what's that, honey? She said, why do you got all those gray hairs? Did your kids ever ask you that? My here just the other day, Ellie Grace crawled up my lap and she touched my beard like this and said, Daddy, what's all that? Well, that's what this uh, teenage girl was asking her mama. Mama, how'd you get all those gray hairs? She said, well, I'll tell you how I got them. Every time you or your brother disobeys me, I get another gray hair. See, these gray hairs are evidence of your rebellion. 
And so the girl sat there and she thought for a minute. She looked back at her mom and she said, well, mama, what you're trying to tell me is you're the reason grandma's got all those gray hairs. Whether you're a parent or a grandparent, it doesn't matter. It's tough raising these youngins, isn't it? We all see that it's tough being a parent. It's, it, it's not for the faint of heart, but it is the toughest job you'll ever love. I don't know about you, but I'm thankful God has blessed me um, with the great gift of being a dad. I'm jacked up about being a father. I love being a father. I'm so thankful for the, my three blessings that call me daddy. There's nothing like it. But it is a very tough job. There's a lot we go through. There's a learning curve to this. Can you say me in? There really is. You know, we're all still growing in it. Like I told you last week, folks, don't think that anybody has arrived because we've not. We all still have growing room. As it was leaving last week, a dear sister that had been a parent for a long time and is now a grandparent, she stopped me at the door. She said, Brother Israel, I want to tell you, it doesn't change. The older they get, uh, you're still their mom and you're still their, you'll, you'll still be their dad. You just face new challenges. And she's right. This job never ends. And I'm not so sure that it ever gets really easy. You've always got to make tough decisions. And, and, and it's tough, folks, for several different reasons, but I want to give you two main ones. Number one, it's a tough job. Parenting is a tough job because the devil and the world itself is against you. I mean, there is no doubt about that. Now, when I'm talking about the world, I'm talking about the world system that is against God and against his truth. The devil works in concert with this world system that is against God, that is against his truth, to try his best in pulling your kids away from the truth, away from the Lord. See, we are twice-born people in a world full of once-born people. Can you say amen? For those who have trusted in Jesus as our personal Savior, and we've been born again into the family of God, we realize there is a standard for what's right, and there's a standard for what's wrong. And we're doing everything we can as Christian parents to raise up that standard in our household so that we might point our kids to Jesus. I don't know about you, but that's my goal. If that's your goal, say amen. I want them to know there is a standard, and that standard means something. And I want them to know that the way, the truth, and the life is the Lord Jesus Christ. Above everything else. So while we're trying to point them to Jesus, the way, the truth, and the life, Satan is trying to keep them from Jesus. He's trying to pull them away from the truth. And I, I believe with everything in me, there is a full frontal assault from Satan to our children right now. And you don't have to look far to see that. Uh, I was just reading something last week that broke my heart. How many of you ever heard of the drag queen story hour? You ever heard of that? Now, it's, it's just what it says. It's when drag queens, I'm talking about men dressing up like women, they are invited to local libraries and to local schools. And when they bring them in, they read to preschool and elementary age kids. All of this is done so that sin might be normalized. All of this is done so that, listen, what, uh, you, you, uh, that which is um, 
abnormal would become normal to our children. Now let me tell you something. Satan wants to make normal what God calls an abomination. And he wants us and he wants our children to be comfortable with sin. That's happening in schools all across this nation right now. Now, praise God it's not happened in our area. I hope and pray that it does not. But in other places, it's going on right now. And when I'm talking about schools, I'm talking about federally funded schools. I'm talking about schools that are paid for with your tax dollars and my tax dollars, dollars are inviting drag queens in to read to children. Now, if that don't anger you, I don't know what, what will. It, does it bother you that... Listen, we can't bring the Holy Bible into a school and teach uh, kids about the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, but they're inviting drag queens in to read to them? If that don't bother you, it should. You say, well, brothers, is it really that bad? Well, let, let me, get, let me th throw this at you. You remember back in the last presidential election, before the last presidential election, um, Then-candidate Joe Biden, who is now President Joe Biden, was asked in a town hall debate by a mother whether or not he would support her eight-year-old daughter choosing what gender she would be. Now, this was done in a nationally televised debate. Debate. You can go back and watch it. I, I was sitting there watching it that night and um, just absolutely made me sick to my stomach. Now, this is what the president, now the president of the United States of America said. He said he would support an eight-year-old girl choosing to be a boy and would stand up for that parent's right of having gender reassignment surgery. Think about that. Folks, at eight years old, my kids didn't even know what shoes to put on. They didn't even know what breakfast they ought to eat. Do you see how ab it's absolutely ridiculous what's going on in our world today? Do you know that it don't take a whole lot of biology for you to know whether you're a boy or you're a girl? Your plumbing determines whether you are a boy or you are a girl. If you're wondering, check out the plumbing. If we need to go any further than that, a simple blood test will tell you whether you're a boy or you're a girl. Biology itself will tell you there are only two genders. Regardless of how you feel. The state of New York right now recognizes 27 different gender types. Sounds to me like some of these folks need to start following the science. Don't it to you? I mean, they're always saying that it's us Christians who are backwooded and don't have enough sense to get in out of the rain and, and, and we're just so antiquated in our thinking and we're old-fashioned and all. The, well, if we really want to look at the science, biology tells us there are males and there are females. I never thought we would come to the place where we have to argue about that, but that's where we are. And this is the kind of stuff that is being forced upon children. Ideas like critical race theory is being taught all over our nation right now, and all in the world that is, is a Marxist ideology that keeps dividing people simply because of the color of skin. And in my opinion, it's demonic. 
Satan knows how to divide and conquer. All of this is being forced upon children. Why? Because Satan realizes that the stakes are high. He realizes what we need to realize, that he who controls the children today will control tomorrow. So why is it so important that we as Christian mamas and daddies raise up our children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord? It's so vitally important because Satan in this world is doing everything they can to pull them from the truth. Amen? So it's tough being a parent. It's tough because Satan in this world system is pulling our kids away, but it's also tough because we realize our responsibility. Do you know that Having kids is a great blessing, yes, but it's also a huge responsibility. I realize as a father, it's my responsibility to point my kids to Jesus. It's my responsibility to point them to Christ. And if I'm not pointing them to Christ, I'm pointing them away from Christ. If I'm not leading them to Jesus, not only by my lips and through my lifestyle, I'm leading them away from Jesus. Either way, though, I'm leading them. We're either leading them in the right direction or the wrong direction. So that's great responsibility. I know that all of our children have to one day make their decision whether or not they're going to trust in Christ or reject reject Christ. But I'm going to tell you this. It makes a huge difference when a Christ-like life is being modeled in front of kids when it comes time for them to make that decision. When they see you following Jesus, loving Jesus, serving Jesus, loving people, doing what God's word said that we ought to do. When they see the joy of the Lord in your life, when they see the peace of God in your life, when they see that relationship you have with the Lord, I'm going to tell you, when they they see it and it's real, they want what you've got. So whether leading them to Christ or from Christ, it's great responsibility for each and every one of us. We realize that it's our responsibility to provide for our children. Physically, yes, but certainly spiritually, no doubt about that. Provide for them the environment that they can grow in the things of the Spirit of God. But also provide for them physically because it's, it's nobody else's job to provide for my kids. Do you think that's a message that needs to be shared in today's world? It's nobody else's, it's not the government's responsibility. It's nobody's responsibility for me to provide for mine and for you to provide for yours. Now the good news is, the good news is this, listen to me. God is able to provide for all those who trust in him and who follow him. Does that let a little pressure off of you guys and girls? Do you know God has promised to be my Jehovah Jireh? Do you know the Bible says that He shall supply all my needs according to His riches and glory, Philippians 4.19? And I found that to be true in my life. But still, listen to me. It's my responsibility to get out there and get to work and provide for mine. And that's the responsibility of us all. When we realize this great responsibility we have, whether it be spiritual or or physical, man, we see just how tough it is to be the parent that God has called us to be and our kids need us to be. It's a tough job, but it's the job that I surely love. How can we do it effectively? 
What if we could take a snapshot straight from the Word of God at a picture of what it means to be effective in parenting? We can do that. That's the good thing about the Word of God. The Word of God teaches us how to be what God has called us to be. The Bible never tells you to do something without telling you how to do it. And so in Psalm 127, that's exactly what we see. We see the Lord giving us clear direction straight from the Word of God of what it means to be a parent that He's pleased with. Let's start there, Psalm 127. We're just going to start in the first verse. Now look what this says. Except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. Except the Lord keep the city, the watchman waketh but in vain. It is vain for you to rise up early, to sit up late, to eat the bread of sorrows, for so he giveth his beloved sleep. Now let me, let me tell you something. We know it's our responsibility to provide for, for ours. We know it's our responsibility to raise them up in a home that God is pleased with. But I'm thankful we can rest in the Lord. <laughs> That's what that second verse is talking about. It said, you know what? You don't have to sit up all night and worry about all this stuff. Just keep trusting in the Lord and keep being faithful to the things of God. And if you'll do your part, God will do his part. Isn't that good? God is so good. He is so gracious. He's so merciful. When I don't deserve his goodness, he still gives it to me. Not because I'm good, but because he is. Because he is. So he says, I provide for my beloved sleep. Lo, children are in heritage or a blessing of the Lord. And the fruit of the womb is his reward. Verse 4, as arrows in the hand of a mighty man, so are children of the youth. Happy is the man that hath his quiver full of them. They shall not be ashamed, but they shall speak with enemies in the gate. Let's pray together and we'll dive into this. Father, again, we love you. Thank you, Lord, for who you are. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for what you've done. Thank you for the gift of our children. But, Lord, we want to be effective in our parenting. We want to do it by your power. Lord, we want to do it according to your truth. And I'm asking that you today would speak to our hearts, change our lives, and help us to be what you called us to be. Help us to be the parents our kids need us to be and the parents that you are pleased with. Lord, that's what I want. That's what I need. Father, that's what we're asking for because we believe you're able. Teach us today from your scripture, Holy Spirit. Have your way and your will in these services. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Look at the first thing that it says here. It said, except the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain that build it. Let me give you um, a quotation from a man years ago who was a fantastic businessman and not only was he successful in business but he was successful in all the ways that the world deems people to be a success he had already created a wealth of four billion dollars his name is john paul getty has anybody ever heard of john paul getty john paul getty was a billionaire not a millionaire but a billionaire in the early to late 70s um, and not many people were billionaires in the early to late 70s. Listen to what he said when he was looked at as a success by everybody that knew him as far as the world's standards go. But listen to what he says when it comes um, to, to uh, how he felt about the family. He said, I've never been given to envy, save or accept for the envy I feel toward those people who have the ability to make a marriage work and endure happily. It's an art that I have been I've not been able to master my record, five marriages, five divorces, in short, five failures. And then the article continues with this. He says, um, uh, he termed the memories of his relationship with his five sons as painful. Much of this pain has been passed on with his money. 
His most treasured offspring, Timothy, a frail child born when Getty was 53, died in 1958 at the age of 12 with surgical complications after a sickly life spent mostly separated from his father who was forever away on business. Other members of the Getty family also suffered some tragic circumstances. A grandson, John Paul Getty III, was kidnapped and held for ransom of $2.9 million. When Getty refused to pay, they held the boy for five months and eventually cut off his right ear. That's his grandson. Getty's oldest son apparently committed suicide among strange, strange circumstances. Another son, Gordon Paul Getty, has been described as living a tortured existence. He was ridiculed in correspondence by his father and was the least favorite son. Similar sorrow has followed other members of this unfortunate family. Here's a man that the world would call a success, and yet he himself confessed, I've been an abject failure in the things that really matter. Let me tell you something, folks. Nothing wrong with making a million dollars. Nothing wrong with being successful by the world's standards. But I want to tell you this. If you do all of that and we fail at the things that matters, then what's it matter? When we're one day lying on our deathbed, what's really going to matter is not how much money we've made. Not what kind of house we live in. Not what kind of car we drive. But what have we done with our greatest gifts? As a pastor, the Lord has given me the privilege and the opportunity of sitting beside a lot of bedsides over the last 20 years of people who were dying. You know what they always say? They never say, I wish I had spent more time at work. I wish I had made more money. I wish I had a nicer car or a bigger house. I wish I had more money in my bank account. Let me tell you what they always say. They always say, I wish I would have spent more time with my children. Why? Because all of it becomes clear in that moment. When they're facing life and death and they're reflecting on what they have done and they haven't done, they begin to see what's truly important. A lot of times when we're trying to make a living, when we're trying to provide and do all that we can do to be what we think we need to be, sometimes we lose sight of that which is most important. All of that becomes clear in the end. John Paul Getty, this man that I was reading to you about, he was very successful, made all the money he could spend, had all the stuff uh, as far as possessions that he wanted, but he failed at the things that mattered. Dr. Adrian Rogers used to say it like this. He said, the most unsuccessful man there is is the man that is successful in the things God cares nothing about. I'm not saying don't go make the money you can make and be a successful. I, that, there's nothing wrong with that, but don't forget the most important thing. Amen? And the Bible says, if, 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 if the, the house is going to get built, and it's going to be built effectively, rightly, it's going to be a strong house, then the Lord has to do it. They that labor, labor in vain if the Lord don't build the house. That's what Psalm 127.1 says. So let's use that same illustration that's being given to us right here. I was thinking about that this week. Do you know that a house is only as strong as its parts? You've you got to get each part right if the house is going to remain strong. You've got to get the foundation right. When you get the foundation right, then you can put the floor on. When you get the floor right, then you can put the walls up. When you get the walls right, then you can put the roof up. And if you want to have a strong house, each part has to be doing its part, performing its purpose. So what does that mean when the Bible says 
that the Lord is the one who builds the strong house when speaking of the family. Each part has to relinquish their will to God's will so that he might do in them and through them what's pleasing to him and beneficial to the family. What do I mean by that? That is, do you know that it is your responsibility, your job to love and lead your children in a way that God is pleased? But I'm going to tell you something, dads. Unless you've trusted in Christ as your personal Savior and been born again into the family of God and then you're following hard after Jesus, we will never love and lead our kids like God has purposed us to love and lead our kids. As a part, you've got to allow God to work on you, work in you, and work through you. You can't love your kids like you're supposed to love your kids unless you know Jesus. Unless you're following hard after Jesus. Mamas, do you know that it's your responsibility to love and to lead your children in a way that God is pleased with? But mamas, you'll never do that without first of all relinquishing your will to God's will, trusting in Jesus as your personal Savior and following hard after Him. And when we put Him first, when we live our lives to please Him, then it makes a difference in every other relationship that we have. A huge difference. We finally then become what God has created us to be, what God has saved us to be. Can you say amen? When we follow hard after him. So it's the Lord who has to build the house, but he builds the house by strengthening the parts, the mamas and the daddies, and yes, even the children. All of this is important for us to see. And then he gives us some, man, great advice, starting in verse number four on what it means to shoot straight with your kids. And that's what I really want to talk to you about. Look what it says. As arrows in the hand of a mighty man, so are children of the youth. Does everybody see that? So the first thing that I want you to see this morning is that if we're going to be parents that God is pleased with, we need to be strong shooters. Amen? It says that they're how, they're, the, the children, children are like arrows in the hand of a mighty man or a strong man. Now, it's not necessarily talking about physical strength, but he's talking here about spiritual strength. What, it, what does it mean to be spiritually strong? What does it mean to be a man in the household, guys, that your children can look up to and your children can follow as you follow Jesus? Well, first and foremost, it's a saved man. Can you say amen? Again, it's somebody who's placed their trust in Jesus for the forgiveness of sin. And you know that God the Holy Spirit has done a work on the inside that makes a difference on the outside. That's step number one. Now listen, not only you need to be a saved man, but you need to be a faithful man. What do I mean by a faithful man? Listen to me, dads. I want you to get a hold of this. Your children will, lead, will follow wherever you lead. If you get up on a Sunday morning and come to church, your children will follow you. If you get up on a Sunday night and come to church, your children will follow you. If you get up on a Wednesday night and come to Wednesday night Bible study, your children will follow you. When they see you being faithful, they will follow along behind you. Let me give you a recent statistic that I read just the other day about people who come to church. Um, about when a child gets saved and starts coming to church, about 3% of the time the family will follow. 
Now that's not to say that we're not thankful for every child that gives his heart or her heart to Jesus. That's fantastic. That's amazing. But but it does say 3% of the time the rest of the family will follow. When a mama gives her heart to Jesus and she starts coming to church on a regular basis and starts following after the Lord, 27% of the time her family will follow her. 27% 27% now we're thankful for godly mamas. I'm thankful for ladies who realize that God has given them their children as a blessing and for a reason and they're following hard after Jesus and leading them unto the Lord. I ain't saying that, but I'm just saying 27% of the time the family will, will, will follow. When a man gives his heart to Jesus, a husband and a father gives his heart to Jesus and he starts following hard after the Lord and he gets faithful to the things of God, 96% of the time his family follows him. So what's that mean? Guys, if we want our children to be faithful to the things of God, we've got to be faithful to the things of God. If they don't see it as being important in your life, it's not going to be important in their life. I'm afraid that in years to come, we're going to have parents wondering why in the world their kids are not following after Jesus. When it's all because parents are not following after Jesus now. It makes a difference. They want to see the difference in you. They want to see your faithfulness. And I promise you, it leads them in the right direction when you are faithful to what God has called you to be faithful to. I'm not just talking about church attendance. That's important. But let me tell you something. How many times did your kids uh, catch you praying around the dinner table? Do they see that on a regular basis? How many times did your kids catch you in the study of the Word of God? Do they see that on a regular basis? If, if that becomes important to you, that will be important to them. How many times sitting around the dinner table do you talk about the things of God? Do you talk about the sermon Sunday? Do you talk about the Sunday school lesson? Do you talk about something God has shown you in your personal devotion time? How many times are you spreading this truth into your children? Because that makes all the difference. You'd be a saved man. You'd be a faithful man. Let me tell you something else. You'd be a sanctified man. A sanctified man. If you're going to be a strong father, a strong archer. Mamas, that's not just true for daddies, that's true for you as well. But, but I want you to know, to be sanctified, John 17, 17, Jesus prays and he says, Father, sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. So how do we get sanctified? Now, the word sanctified means to be cleaned up and set apart for a purpose. That's what God wants to do with me, and that's what God wants to do with you. And I'm going to tell you something. Listen to me now. Every time I get into the Word of God, I see areas that need to be cleaned up. And when I relinquish my will to God's will, and I say, okay, God, I'm wrong in this. You're right. I confess where I have been wrong. The Bible says God forgives me of that sin, cleanses me of the unrighteousness, and then helps me by his power to be what he's called me to be. But I've got to see that that word, that truth, that sanctifies me. Amen? It's when you not only read the word of God, but you heed the word of God. Not only do you listen to it, but you apply it to your heart and life. A strong archer is a saved archer. A strong archer that's shooting some straight arrows, as their children as straight arrows, like the Bible's talking about here. It's a faithful archer. 
It's a sanctified archer. That's what it means to be strong spiritually. Let me tell you, let me give you one more. A strong archer is one who is devoted to prayer. You know what I've come to find out? Parents, you've, you've probably seen this as well. Hey, you're not going to be with your kids all the time. Now, when they were little, that may have been true. You're with them every minute of every second of every day, and so you always made the right decision for them. But I've come to find out that's very seldom true for me anymore. My kids living their own life, the older they get, they're doing their own thing, they're going uh, places that I can't go with them, whether that be school or work or practice or, or, or at a friend's house or wherever. I'm not always going to be with them. So when I'm not always with them, I can't make decisions for them. But let me tell you what else I figured out. When I can't be with them, when I can't go where they're going, I can pray for them every step of the way. And the God who is omnipresent can help them through their day wherever they are. Are you praying for your kids? You better be. You need to be. A strong archer is a prayerful archer. So first of all, we've got to be a straight shooter, but also the arrows have to be straight as well. Look what it says. These kids are like arrows in the hand of a mighty God. So are the children of the youth. So how many of you know arrows don't come here straight? If, if someone is going to take, pick up a stick and, and make it an arrow, he's got to do some work to it. It don't come here an arrow. It's got to be shaped. It's got to be sharpened. And then ultimately it's going to have to be shot if you're going to be effective in shooting these things. So what does that mean when we're talking about our children? That, what does this verse saying to us? Well, first of all, your, your children have to be shaped, right? Twigs are not arrows. But over time, they can become arrows if they're sharpened, if, if, if they're shot. But, but it takes some work on our part. Amen? How do we do that? Write down in your, in your, in your notes, uh, please, Ephesians 6 and 4. Ephesians 6 and 4 tells us that we are to raise our children up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. That's how we sharpen them. That's why it's important you keep your kids plugged into church. That's why you're, it's important your kids are under the preaching and teaching of the Word of God. That's why it's important for prayer around the dinner table. That's why it's important uh, that, that you do what we can do, folks, for, uh, to make our kids as, as, as sharpened and straight as possible. That, that's very, very important. We take heed to the word of God and then we apply that truth in our families. I want to give you just a few ways, about five ways that you can, that will help us all be more effective in raising our children up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. First of all, I want you to begin early. Listen, how do you know they'll, they'll learn a whole lot more when they're this little than they are when they're this big? <laughs> At least they'll listen a whole lot more when they're this little than they are when they're this big. You can't wait till they're this big 
and try to teach old dogs new tricks. Now they can learn some new tricks, but I want them to learn all that they need to learn and that happens when we start them early. Proverbs 22 and six says that we are to train up a child. Everybody say child. We're to train up a child in the ways that they should go. So it starts when they're little bitty. Not that you can't make a difference when they're bigger by God's grace, but it's so much easier when you start early. But also, listen, don't just start early, but be creative. Be creative. Look in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 6 through 7. Brothers, if you will, please put that on the screen for me. Deuteronomy 6, verse number 6. I love how the Bible says this. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart. Look at verse 7. And thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, and thou shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, and thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. So he says, this word that I've given you, I want you to give it to your kids. And give it to your kids not just on a, on a church pew on Sunday morning. Yeah, that's all well and good. And I'm glad you're doing that. They need to be on the preaching and teaching of the word of God. But be creative in other areas in other ways listen when you're riding down the road listen talk to your kids about things that God has made real to you in your life talk to your kids about what's right and what's wrong what's truth and what's a lie look for every opportunity you can look for to spread that truth to speak that truth into them be creative with it look for different ways that that can happen man it's, it works when you do it uh, the way God's word says we're to do it First of all, do it early, be creative. L listen to this one, I like this one, build character. What do I mean when I say build character? Don't just praise them for hitting the home run or catching the touchdown or, or, or doing well and, and whatever other thing that they do, but listen, praise them when they tell the truth. Praise them when they work hard. Pr praise them when they uh, treat others the way they need to treat them. And let, let me just go ahead and say this too. Parents, do you know that you are teaching your children how to treat other people? They, they almost become like little mirrors of us. I've come to find out parents who are kind usually raise, raise children who are kind. Parents who are respectful of others usually raise children who are respectful of others. Parents who treat others like they themselves want to be treated usually raise children who treat others how they want to be treated. That's just the way this works. Because you and I as parents have so much influence. So teach your children how to treat other people. Man, that's so important. So important. Build character into them. Someone say that character is what's really important, it's not reputation. Reputation is what everybody else thinks of you and character is what God knows about you. So build character into your kids. Let me give you this one, set limitations. We talked about this last week. Set limitations, let them know what they are to do and what they are not supposed to do. Create that standard in your home and then correct to that standard. Assign responsibility. Nothing wrong with telling your kids they got to clean their room or wash the dishes or, or, or wash the clothes or fold laundry. How many of you know one day they're going to have a home of their own? They're going to have to wash dishes and sweep the floors and fold the laundry. They've got to learn these things. Nothing wrong with doing that. And it helps them to learn responsibility. Give them praise when they are responsible, but also correct when they're not responsible, when they don't do what they're supposed to do. It's important. And again cover all this in prayer. 1 John 5, 14. One of my favorite scriptures in all the word of God. You know what it says? 
we have this confidence that if we ask anything in accordance to God's will, he hears us. Isn't that great? I've told you last week, there's no guarantees in this thing. I've seen some godly mamas and daddies who love Jesus with all their heart who raise up some absolute hellions. Right? There comes a time when kids do make their own decisions. That's just the way it is. But I want to tell you this. I want to do all I can with the time I've got in teaching my kids what's right, what's wrong, and showing them, not just with my lips, but through my life, what it means to follow after Jesus. I want to do everything I can in doing my part, and I'm going to pray and trust that God will do His part. Are you hearing me? Being confident that if we ask anything in accordance to His will, He hears us. You've got to be a strong archer. You've got to have straight arrows. Those arrows have to be sharpened and they got to be shot. <laughs> but now listen to me. When we shoot them, it don't just make a difference in our home. When, they're, when they've been sharpened, when they've been prepared, it don't just make a difference in our home, but it makes a difference at the gate. Look at uh, Psalm 127 and verse number 5. Happy is the man that has his quiver full of them. I like that. Dr. Chuck Swindoll said something one time. He said, I'm happy my quiver is full. He said, I want to tell you, see, I think he's got two or three kids. He said, I wouldn't take a million dollars for any one of my children. He said, I love them with everything in me. So thankful for the great blessing that God has given me and my kids. I wouldn't take a million dollars for either one of them. What a blessing they are. He said, but I wouldn't give you 15 cents for one more just like them. I'm happy my quiver's full. Happy my quiver's full. God has blessed me with three great kids, but the mission is not just to straighten them and sharpen them, but to shoot them. Now, when I've straightened them and I've sharpened them, by being the parent that God has called me to be according to the word of God, that just not only makes a difference in my home, but it makes a difference outside the gate. Happy is the man that hath his quiver full of them. They shall not be ashamed. They shall not be ashamed. How many of you want to raise kids you're not ashamed of? Sure. I think that's the goal of every parent, right? They'll not be ashamed, but they shall speak with enemies in the gate. He says, if you raise kids the way God has called you to, and we as parents relinquish our will to God's will and allow him to work on us, work in us, and work through us to be what he wants, then our kids will be the one who makes a difference, not only in our home, but even with the enemies in the gate, with everybody else. Are you seeing this? Lord, help us. Don't we need his grace? Don't we need his mercy? Some of you hear messages like this and it encourages you, and I hope it has. Some of you hear messages like this and it discourages you because maybe you think, well, hey, I ain't done some of this or I need to uh, fix some areas in my parenting. Guess what? Join the crowd. Me too. There are no perfect mamas. There are no perfect daddies. 
We're all still growing in this. But listen, it's so important that we keep growing. That we don't stop. That we keep being faithful. That we keep being sanctified. That we keep being men and women of prayer. That we keep being strong. Because that's what our kids need, isn't it? I want to tell you this, folks. Listen to me. Regardless of whether or not you have been encouraged or discouraged, I want you to know this. God, by his power, is able to do in your life, in your children's lives, what only he can do. Never give up. Keep praying. Keep trusting. Keep following the Lord. Amen? Everybody stand together this morning. We're not going to have a song of invitation. But what I want to do is just pray for you. And so what I want to ask you this morning to do is, is just everyone bow your heads reverently. prayerfully let's seek the Lord in this time and I, I just want to ask you if you're here this morning and you're a mama or daddy and you say brother I just want you to pray for my children we just slip your hands up because I'm going to pray for you today it's my great privilege as your pastor to pray for you to pray for your kids good I see all those hands good you say brother as a parent I'm asking that you pray for me that I would be what God wants me to be if you if you if that's you this morning just slip your hand up yeah, hey, don't we all need it? Don't we all need it? Man, God is good and he hears our prayer. And we are confident that if we ask anything in according to his will, he hears us. Some of you this morning are praying for lost loved ones, friends, family members. If that's you this morning, just, just slip your hand up. You're praying for, the, for somebody you know needs to be saved. Yes, amen. See those hands. And what I'm going to do in this time, I'm going to pray that God would have his way and have his will because he knows what's best in every situation. If you believe it, say amen. So let's pray together. Father, we love you. We are so thankful for the promise of your word. Lord, I'm thankful that you have given us our children as a blessing. And Lord, we want to raise them up in a way that's pleasing unto you. We want to raise them up and lead them to you, Lord Jesus. Lord, we can't do it in our power. We can't do it in our ability. We'll never be effective without your power working in us, on us, and through us. Help us, Lord, to be faithful. Help us, Lord, to continually be sanctified as we apply your truth to our lives. Help us, Lord, to continually be men and women of prayer who calls out to you on behalf of our children because I know prayer changes things. Lord, your word tells us we have not because we ask not. Lord, I'm asking today that you would help us be parents that you are pleased with and parents that our children need. God, I'm praying for wayward children this morning. I don't know what's going on, but you do. I don't know what's being uh, thought about even right now in the minds of these parents, but you do. And I'm asking, Lord Jesus, 
that you would answer these prayers in accordance to your will, for it's the best way. I'm praying that you convict the hearts and lives of wayward kids and bring them back to where they need to be. Lord, if they need salvation, I pray that you save them. If they are saved and they just in a backslidden condition, I pray that you bring them back to yourself. God, we're asking right now that you do the work that only you can do. And for these things, we're going to continually praise you. Thank you, Lord, for mercy. Thank you for grace. I'm thankful that you are faithful, not because I'm good, but because you're good. I'm thankful that you love us with an unconditional, everlasting love. And I'm asking you this morning that you help us to remember the great responsibility of being parents, but also the great blessing of having children. By your power, work on us, work in us, and work through us, we pray. In Jesus' mighty name, amen.